Welcome to the Draft Digest show. I am the handsome Jake Kerr. Next to me is this little boy I found on the side of the road, Derek Parker. Good Derek, God, how are you doing this this morning? This, this evening? Morning? This evening? Okay. Firstly, you're not gonna come in here all hot saying that you're gonna intro this pod and then and then number one be mean to me and then number two butcher it like that this morning. It is. 7.49 p.m. Dude, <laughs> it's the morning somewhere. <laughs> I'm doing good, Jake. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. You look very handsome today. Thank you. We're wearing the same pants, bro. Are we actually? Great Nike sweats. Wow. Oh, boy. Mine are like three sizes bigger because I'm like 6'6", six, six, and you're like hot five, boy, five, Hot boy four, winter out here, man. I had a question for you. Okay. What is your favorite movie you've seen this year? You movie lover. This year. Let me get on my... Like a 2023 movie? No, no or just that you've watched watch since January 1st. Let me get on my letterbox real quick. I have mine. So Derek's trying to talk me into being a movie guy. No. Uh, I like movies. They're okay. Um, anything you past sound like, like a robot, two and a half hours. You sound like AI. I just can't get into it. Um, Hell or High Water's mine. I, really, wa- I have seen that this year. You really put me on. That was fantastic. Let's see. I've watched, firstly, I've watched 21 movies this year. I've watched 17. Dang, we're killing it. Are you proud of me? I am proud of you, actually. Um, all, I know the all, answer, but let me keep running through. Just all before January twelfth, I haven't watched one since then. I watched Knock at the Cabin on Feb three. That sounds scary. I've seen four Harry Potters. There will be blood. Is a it's an honorable mention. Mm. Uh, Godfather Part one and two. Those oh, are both yeah. both honorable mentions. But my favorite was absolutely Birdman. Oh, Birdman, nice with uh, Michael Keaton. Mm. I thought it was so good. The music, the what? Oh. He's the so dude good. who's the long also takes. a bird, right? No. Hence the name. I've not seen the movie. Uh, you would hate it. You I know I would. It. Jake hates films. I do hate films. Derek. Yep. I'd like to talk a little Cam Whitmore. Let's do it. Villanova's finest. Villanova's finest. Do you want to intro Cam Whitmore for us? I will do so. Since you got all the, the knowledge. I got the stats. Uh, Cam Whitmore, freshman at Villanova. Six foot seven. I don't believe that. Does he look six foot seven? Even shorter or taller? I think he's shorter. I think he's six foot seven. Really? Mm-hmm. That dude is going to be six five when the measurements actually come out. <laughs> okay. Uh, two hundred twenty pounds. Looks every bit of that. Will not mm-hmm. deny that one. Uh, averaging twelve point three points, five point four rebounds, zero point six assists on pretty good splits right now. Forty six percent overall. Thirty six percent from three. Seventy percent from the line. Uh, he was a highly tatted guy coming in, had one of the best FIBA performances from a oh, yeah. from a 17-year-old that we've literally ever seen, and, and rightfully so. He's one of the most physically imposing young guys we've ever seen. Definitely. Uh, one big thing to note about Cam Whitmore, he had a preseason injury on his thumb, shooting hand, uh, that required surgery. So with what we'll get into shooting mm. being his biggest swing skill. It was a, it, it's a pretty big deal regarding his play. I mean, it's going to hamper basically everything that he does. Uh, he's bounced back from it pretty well, but those early splits and that early play might not be as indicative of, of the player he truly was, right. or, or they might be, we don't know, but he did have a preseason thumb injury uh, and he's going to be 18 on draft night is my last little note. He'll be like two weeks shy of being 19, <laughs> still but 18, still eight, still noteworthy. It, it counts. It does count. Um, dude, I'll start off by saying when we dive into these prospects throughout the you know week leading up to the podcast that they're on, we have a pretty 
general opinion on them already, right? And mm-hmm. more often than not, that opinion is more, you know, it's never changed, right? Like, there's no one that we're bre- breaking down. We're like, oh, this is not at all who we thought it was. Not on like a fundamental level. No. Right, yeah. There might be little things that you kind of... Always better at that than I thought. Right, yeah. But your general perspective on them doesn't shift too often. It did for me with Cam Whitmore a little bit. Um, I had him, someone that was like later lottery for sure. And I didn't even like think of him as a top seven or eight guy. Um, and I still don't necessarily think of him in that way. But since watching film, I realized, dude, I, I was kind of wishing that he was someone he wasn't or expecting him to be someone he wasn't when what he does do and who he is, is really, really valuable on any team. Right. And so I I want to start off by saying three things that he does really well. And I know you agree with me on this because we've talked about it, that I think translate from day one to the NBA. And these are three offensive things. His ability to score off ball, primarily off cuts and lobs. He's the best I've seen in the lottery at that outside of probably Wimbenyama, who's just massive. Right. He can catch it at eight feet in the air. Like <laughs> he he's a timely cutter. He can catch it at the top like he can catch it at the top of the backboard. Um he he know like he's a high IQ off ball player. He can score in transition. He runs extremely hard. Um he he's he's always putting crazy amounts of pressure on the rim in transition. And the third is he's able to find space in the half court. Um, he's able to find areas where the defense isn't to get easy layups. And I think all three of those things translate from day one to the NBA because none of them have to do with him having the ball in his hands for too long. Um, and and it's NBA players are going to be able to get him the ball in those positions. And so, I, first off, I'm excited about that. I Can I just touch on that real quick? I think that was a fair evaluation across the board. If I was a GM and you were like a scout telling me this, I would say there's hundreds of guys at the college level who can do that. What separates Cam Whitmore? And again, I agree, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be up there because I I agree that he should be. I did the same thing. I heel turned. Because of what you've mentioned, that's his floor, right? right? That's the worst he's going to be. Is that in a high level defender and a guy who can shoot open threes? Like, that's his floor. He's 18 and can do all that. He's one of the most athletic players in this class, like maybe the most athletic wing in the class. Strongest, quickest. He's real athletic. And then he shows glimpses of being able to kind of build upon that foundation that he already has. He has a decent little post up game. He's. Um, getting his shots improving, kind of as you alluded to earlier. He's getting a tighter handle. He's able to be somewhat more of a playmaker in transition. I think if his bare bones are those three things that we mentioned, a good defender and someone who can shoot open threes, I think you take that with the dude of his stature, age, and you know ceiling. So the first things that you mentioned, not the things that he can expound on that could make him a star, but the first things that you mentioned, I don't think that, posits anyone as a top 10 pick no but the latter of what you mentioned he shows these glimpses of 
oh, that dribble move only seven guys in the league can do consistently. Yeah. And again, it's not consistent. It's a nugget. But he, he just has these moments of flash and pizzazz that are off the charts. Like when you watch it, it's like yeah. that is superstardom like right there flashing mm. off the page. So my whole point is that, like you said, if in the least you're getting this off-ball aficionado who is a net even or even, or even eventually a net positive on defense. I Man, mean, like, I think he is. We've seen him lock in. Crazy versatile, too. Off-ball, not good. I don't think yeah. he's good off-ball. Yeah. On-ball, he can lock in. But, yeah. like, if your biggest defensive weakness is, like, falling asleep. You can learn that. Oh, my yeah. gosh, yeah. Like, it's, it's nothing to do with his actual tools because, <laughs> like, tools-wise, he has all of them everything he's got the wrench the sockets like screwdrivers all of the tools one could have he's got so i agree if in the least you're getting this slasher cutter guy who can play 15 feet above the rim and and defend at a potentially positive level amazing right if you're getting a guy who can do all those things also hit two threes a game and juke people out of their shoes off the dribble with innate athleticism you're drafting an nba star like point blank I agree. So he's really fun. Now we need to dive into the areas that would keep him from that, which I think are, are fairly glaring at the moment. Creation being at the front of my mind in general, like he does not generate space for himself very often at all. Cameron Moore gets the ball on ball offense. Great first step, really explosive. I mean, he's massive. He's fast. He's big. After that, Mm. he, He's got these moves in his bag that work like 50% of the time to get around players. The rest of the time, he's really going right into their chest. He can't Turns get around them. He'll turn it over. He'll throw up contested shots, and he'll make contested shots. But that that area of the game, to me, gets so much harder in the NBA because there's there's truly so few players in the NBA that can't just keep guys in front unless they're facing a, an NBA superstar. And especially in Cam Whitmore's case early on, like he's going to be seeing decent competition like sure. across the board, sure. especially for his size. Like He's not a guard. He's a forward, especially defensively. He's going to have to play forward. He's going to have to play bulkier guys. So I just think he's going to have good defenders on him early. I think he's going to have guys that are really going to move their feet better than Villanova's current competition is. And it's something that I really think could present some challenges. And there's obvious natural playmakers right scoot henderson he's the best playmaker in the draft you've got like anthony black who's a different kind of playmaker but it's obviously natural to him mm-hmm. cam whitmore doesn't fall into that and and granted there's a there's a the majority of the guys don't fall into that type of natural feel for the game playmaking ability that those two that i mentioned have there's times i see whitmore really far off from feeling what's actually going on around him drives into guys like drives into help defense. Now NBA level, I get it. You're not going to have as much help defense, but like he gets himself into tough spots at times. And if he can't out athlete his way out of it, he struggles. He has lots of live ball turnovers where he's dribbling off his foot, where he's passing the, you know, making a tough pass that guys are getting out of passing lanes and taking. I think he's pretty far away from being a playmaker, like a true put him in his hands, make put the ball in his hands, make a play. But, Per team on the court at once. How many of those guys do you have in the NBA? Maximum two, of two on court. Yeah. And so, and so, I think if you're that, and I, and that's why I don't have them top seven, eight. Because if you have the tenth pick, and you think I can get my fourth or fifth best player 
on the court right now in this pick who's going to thrive off what our playmakers can do for him. I like that pick, man. I really don't mind it. Yeah, I agree. Another thing, he's just not a very, re- to, to play off your playmaking and passing, he's just not very reactive. At like he, he just can't do it. I don't know if it's the position he's in. Villanova not really using him in that role much. I don't know if it's the fact that he just can't and might not get there as a passer and playmaker. It's tough. What was he's his, got like a one to three turnover to assist ratio. What's his best basketball? This is an intro question. When did he play his best basketball? With FIBA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he and, was and he was the main the main score. Like he averaged 19 points a game for that team. Looked like a complete animal, complete beast. And none of it was playmaking. No. Right? There's no creation of straight line drives, dunks, and I get the competition's different, but well, it's not they're not scrubs that he's playing against. Oh, absolutely. Right. Not. And so there's like 1.2 assists and 1.2 turnovers in that FIBA stretch. And so in high school, we saw him as one of the best players in the country, not a playmaker. We saw him at FIBA at his best basketball, best player on the court at all times, regardless of their playing, not a playmaker. We've seen him in a more diluted role as he's kind of come back from injury at Villanova. Still, no signs of a playmaker, of a true like creationist playmaker. So I, it's tough for me to even think that's there. Um, but if it develops, we're looking at the guy who should go third in this draft. A hundred percent. Yep. I, I'm gonna come in right out and say it. I'm skeptical that's ever a thing. I, 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 don't, I don't know think that it I is. ever see it. Is there anything that leads you to think that it, there is? I mean, Nothing's he doesn't have a great handle. Bad turnovers. No real like true feel for the game in terms of creation. Like that's. I don't see it. I don't see it either. Nothing to this point statistically or film-wise has made me think that. But in that same breath, like that might put you below the top tier in this draft. You can be in one of the top tiers based off every single other thing he's got going on. Like pre, pre-film dive on him, I had him around or maybe even below kind of that Jet, Grady, Taylor Hendricks range. After, I think he is firmly ahead of all those guys. Me too. Um, just, I mean, based off the fact that he one day might be able to do all of those same things and more. So he's a good player. He's a good draft pick. I think. Yeah. Even if you take him, even if you take him three, like I get it. I do. Yeah. I don't know that I would, but after diving into him and his game, I'm not going to knock anything for doing that. Is there, when I look at top five picks, cause I think that's, I think the majority of the people who are high on him would say he's a top five guy. Ish, right? Yeah. And so when I look at top five guys, I want to see something that they do that is better than anyone else. You know, excluding Victor and Scoot, who are their own thing. Like my guys, Jairus Walker, he's the best all around, most versatile defender in that lottery area. Yep. Right. That, that's what he's best at. Brandon Miller's the best perimeter wing scorer in the draft. And then Keontae George is my five, who's the best perimeter guard, score, playmaker in the draft. I just, I don't know if my logic's flawed there, but I don't see anything Whitmore does. It's like, boom, he's the best at that. That's what he's going to do. Like, that's what his game's built around. He's the best above the rim offensive player, but that's a thing that it, it's easier to catch up on for other people totally. than it is than it is for, like, 
shooting 45% from three at six foot nine. Like (laughs) no one else is going to do that. Yeah. A lot of people are, are moderately to, to average athleticism and they're going to be able to dunk and cut off ball. So I agree. There's nothing that sets him apart for the top tier, but again, like I don't want to harp on him too much. Like he's a good draft pick. Yeah. Let's talk fits. Mm. Um, Let's go ahead and get it over with. What? Oklahoma city. It's interesting because he does not fit the mold that they have drafted recently at all. Like they want, I would almost, I would almost argue the primary thing that they look for is passing and playmaking. Like above everything else. Like of course they want all around feel, but like uh, yeah. they really, really want you to have that that playmaking gene and have feel for the game. Cam Whitmore is pretty far from that right now, but <laughs> that's his weakness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's his weakness. Schematically, oh. Plugging him into the Oklahoma City Thunder right now would be unreal to watch, I think. And Oklahoma City is now at a point where they're probably going to draft schematically. They might. I, I've argued that on Panhandles when we were purely an Oklahoma podcast. Like, this is this is the first year you can look at fit Who fits and, and schematically. Like, of course, they're still going to be in the bottom half of the NBA. They should still be drafting around the best player available. But mm. that gets really muddy. In like the eight to fourteen range, like BPA isn't totally a thing anymore. Like there's guys that Jalen Williams was supposed to go like second round to late first last year, and a lot of people had him BPA on their boards. Yeah. Cavaliers, Thunder. So who who knows what that is at this point? It could be Cam Whitmore. It could be someone else. So he's a really really interesting fit in Oklahoma City due to the playmakers around him. Due to the fact that they've drafted nine playmakers in a row, yep. and they play them all with each other, like. Imagine Josh Giddy throwing lobs to Cam Whitmore or Shea even throwing lobs to Cam Whitmore or, I mean, take your pick. Like, yeah. Chet Holmgren out of the high post would be able to throw lobs to Cam Whitmore. Yeah. Like, as an off-ball player in a team with only playmakers, it would be, it's almost like the reverse of everything. Like, <laughs> it's like, it'd be like the opposite of what the Mavericks are building. Minus the Kyrie trade that we'll get to. It's like, Luca, what do you want? All off-ball players that can shoot threes, score at the rim, and defend. What is Oklahoma City drafting? Can't really shoot. They can defend. But, like, they can all play make, and they don't have any off-ball players, hardly. It's so random. Like, it's so weird. It'd be like, he's the only off-ball player. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so, so random. Who Uh, else? What other fits? New Orleans has the Lakers pick. Mm -hmm. I don't hate New Orleans um, for the same reason. I think they have pretty decent playmakers. Um, McCollum, Zion, Brandon Ingram. Now, Ingram's more of a score. Maybe you could even argue that was Zion. I like Whitmore on that team. Another long athlete that can defend. I think that's what they like, especially on their bench. Plays above the rim. Um, I can see a fit there. I don't know if he's going to be there for them, mm-hmm. but I like it. I think Whitmore fits great next to, obviously, the best playmakers among those teams. So I have the Pistons up there. Kate sure, Cunningham, sure. Jaden Ivey. Uh, the Hornets, LaMelo Ball. Now, those teams, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you made a face. Those teams are not going to want to leave this draft with Cam Whitmore. No. Like, if either of those teams drafted Cam Whitmore, they would be upset on lottery night or non draft night, probably. But if they fall in the lotto, like, I don't think coming away with Cam Whitmore is crazy. Like, it's better than coming away with a Keontae George, and I'm much higher on Keontae George. Yeah. Just, just for those teams. I don't hate Atlanta. With their backcourt, he's fun. He's good, but it's similar to what they already have. 
I also have Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin. He could kind of he fit been, in behind yeah, those he's guys. Well there. Uh, and then I have Magic question mark. Not that I necessarily feel strongly about it, but like if they're really committed to like Franz and Paolo being their primary guys, maybe having a Cam Whitmore as like your three or even in like a guard slot, even though he's not going to have the ball a lot, makes sense. Let's yeah. say you roll out. I haven't thought about that much. Yeah, that makes sense. Franz, Paolo, Bol Bol, Wendell Carter Jr., and Cam Whitmore. Those Franz and Paolo. Those are, are your five? Yeah. The, Franz and Paolo are essentially going to run your offense. Bowles is center, Wendell Carter Jr., your four, and Cam Whitmore, who isn't going to handle the ball a ton, but is a guard. I don't know. A lot of shooting left to be desired there. Oh, 100%. But, yeah. but it's no, interesting. I, I, like the, I like the vision, I th- and I think he fits that. I think he can play. You know, He can be a small ball, um, big-ish, like lop threat, screener. He can be, you know, if you if you want to go big, he can be your three man. I think I think he's versatile, and I think there's a lot of teams that he might not be the best available on their board, but it's like he fits. It makes sense. We can plug him in immediately. Yeah, I mentioned Bobo. I think he's been terrible recently. He's, he's been, been bad. so bad. Recently, he's been bad, but that's okay. Yeah, we still love our. You long still know ball. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. Um, so let's just go final projections. Where? concretely do you have him right now on my board or where do I think you'll go in the draft? Whatever you feel. I have him 10 on my board right now, right behind case between case and Wallace and, um, whoever I have at 11, uh, somebody <laughs> go check out the little fundamental. Yeah. You'll it. find out who he has at 11. Yeah, you will find out, but I, I think that's a fine spot for him. I could see him going as high as five, probably in the draft. Um, I mean, sh- if, if he had a huge tournament for e- easy money. Yeah. 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 So, that's kind of what I think. I have him from 6 to 12 right now. I, I'd lean closer to 6 at the moment. I think it'll be 8. I think it'll go 8. I don't know where I have him on my board. I haven't made it yet. But cool. Cam Whitmore, fun prospect. Go check him out. I made a video on YouTube at Derek-Parker uh, breaking him down, talking about a lot of the things that, that we talked about on here, but with like clips in the background and me grading things. So Those are great, by the way. I'm not just saying that because you're my boy. Those are really good. Thank you. Like very, you need to go watch it. If I Heat wasn't check. your boy, no, would you watch them still? Totally. If I if, if I saw them on Twitter, I'd, I would 100% watch it. That's hot. I love that. And they're only, what, longest is what, eight or nine minutes long? Yep. Uh, the Whitmore one was 11 because I really had some stuff to say. It's long it. enough for a poop at work with your AirPods in. Let's like, go. Let's go. It is. You want to do performance of the week very quickly do you yeah. have one yeah tucker devries is mine out of drake back-to-back 32 point games um his shooting splits are ridiculous he's the most all right i'm gonna say it. he's the most gifted shooter i think in the draft Wrong. um that's okay if i'm wrong <laughs> I'm just um he shoots the ball at like an at a, at a pro level in transition off of screens on off balance he he really translates well for me and is a guy that one, I think Drake can make some noise in the NCAA tournament, and two, he could be a dude that we see going at 25 when we all expected him 50. How much, because I haven't watched much Tucker, how much Duncan Robinson does he got to him? Uh, it's it's different because he's a little bit bigger. Like, I think he's more naturally like a forward, but kind of works as a guard at their level. Mm. Um, okay. Better with the ball in his hands and can, like, if you get it to him 15 feet with his back to the basket, he can really score from there. A little more versatile. Gotcha. Uh, my performance of the week is Derek Lively mm. uh, out of Duke. He's had a pretty tumultuous uh, season up to this point, and even the performance of the week against North Carolina, just four points on two of three shooting. 
but he had 14 boards, eight blocks with just two fouls in a six point win over North Carolina. And I think it was the first time he's been truly, truly impactful yeah. uh, for Duke this season. I'm excited to see him get going. I, I hope he can maintain his production that he's put up in the last four or so games. He's averaging five blocks per game in the last five. So yeah. he's my performance of the week. It's not jump off the page crazy, but eight blocks will get it done for me. On he the show. he's might have done the most for his own draft stock in the last week than anyone. Maybe. Yeah. Derek, you want to know who's got next? I would love to know who has got next, Jake. We got Kwame Evans Jr., a.k.a. KJ Evans. Um, 6'9", 210-pound forward from Montverde Academy. He's out of Baltimore, Maryland. Currently signed with Oregon. ESPN's 13th ranked player, 24-7's 11th, and Rivals 17th. He's a McDonald's All-American. Played EYBL ball with Team Durant, averaging 10 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block. When watching Evans, he has obvious tools, physical tools, feel for the game that just jumps off the page immediately. Mentions of like a 7-5 wingspan on a 6-9 frame, which is really intriguing. Um, really fluid game. I like his face-up game in the half court. He's really good 15 feet and in, kind of creating for himself off one to two dribbles. Handles the ball well, specifically in the full court, and has real playmaking upside from that position. His feel for the game is evident. He's committed on the defensive end. He's very switchable, extremely active, um, raw, more so raw on the defensive end than he is offensively, but he's got real tools to work with there. Struggled with efficiency, just kind of in general. Poor free throw shooter. The shot's fine, by the way. Poor free throw shooter. Mechanically, the shot's fine. Um, Not great finishing from the mid-range, like consistently. And then from the outside, I think I saw like 24% from three through these last two years in EYBL. Um, so he hasn't really found his groove there. I'd love to see him grow as a rim protector, um, even if it's kind of more functional as an off-ball shot blocker. Um, stats don't prop, pop necessarily, like I said, 10 points, five boards, and three assists. Um, but on film, you can just see the natural tools that he has, and it's really hard to overlook that potential. So check out KJ Evans, Oregon signee out of Montverde Academy. Um, he might just have next. So what you're telling me is that he has next potentially. Ooh, Did you hear that seven five wingspan that's on a crazy. six nine frame? That's fun. It's kind of fun. fun. Yeah, if that shot can come around. It doesn't look bad. This guy's a limit for yeah. It's not bad guys like that. All right, next up on the Draft Digest show, we have a special guest. He is the Draft Digest co-founder, the Dallas Desperado, as they call him, Father Forbes, the uncontested's most handsome five years running. Never stops working. He never sleeps. We have Nick Crane. Nick, how are you doing, man? Good. It's good to see you guys, Derek. Um, I'm glad you're able to to take a step away from Harry Potter video games to record <laughs> this pod and, and talk a little draft. It was really hard to do. I had to pry myself away. Had to hit myself with a little Expelliarmus, but I'm here. I'm I'm ready to talk <laughs> basketball finally. Let's get it. I had a I had a coworker today actually. She was like. That Harry Potter game, she follows me on Twitter. She was like, that Harry Potter game must be good because you don't stop tweeting about basketball ever. And you've been tweeting about Harry Potter a lot. And I was like, that's telling right there. Yeah, you stopped texting it. me for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I just ghosted everyone. I've just been living in Hogwarts, basically. Well, in typical podcast fashion, as soon as we started recording, uh, a trade went down. Official. The Lakers, Jazz, Timberwolves uh, trade that's been talked about all day is, has gone through. So we've got some movement i know we're, we're talking draft today but that's how it always works as soon as you start something podcast or whatever it is go run run down the, the street to the store trades happen so to do this more often 
I'd been meaning to put my Christmas tree up for two months. And the second I did, Kyrie got traded the other day. So <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, Nick, we haven't got to talk to you yet on like the newly rebranded draft digest show. We got you on panhandles, but we really haven't talked much 23 draft with you at all. What are your, I mean, it's like a wide spanning class as a whole, a lot of thoughts, a lot of stuff going on. What are your thoughts on like the class as a whole? I think it's a, a deep class. Um, I think any draft ends up being deep. The the further down the road you get, there's always going to be guys that um, are second round picks that end up not panning out for for three or four years. But this one in particular, like it just feels like there's a lot of guys that could be impactful NBA players. My my biggest question is center. Obviously, you've got you got Victor at the top, and that's a no brainer. Going to be probably a generational center. But then my question is, who next? Like, is Filipowski showing enough for you to be confident he might go in the lottery? Um, are you confident in Derek Lively? Do you like Chloe Ware? You start looking at the guys like Najee and, and and Bona from UCLA. My question is, is who's the second best true center in this class? And does anybody besides Victor go in the lottery? Yeah, it's an interesting discussion. I think it's a little crazy that obviously, like you said, Wemby was up there, but the guys who were supposed to be second yeah. and third have not really they've not really lived up to par so far i mean Derek lively is finally finally getting some production but i mean Slowly. for the most part he was unplayable versus boston college like three weeks ago so really yeah, pre-season pre we were we were talking about there potentially being like three bigs in the top 10 12 and now there's probably no way outside of victor that any of those guys barring insane pre-draft combine like maybe Lively is a guy that shows that former top overall player in his class kind of talent. But what we've seen on the floor has not been great to this point. Do you prefer Lively or Ware out of those two? Because I think, you know, Flipowski and then Wimbenyama, they probably function better as foremen, I would yeah. say, especially yeah. Wimbenyama. But then, you know, Filipowski, like he's not a true like back to the basket five. He's going to be on the perimeter more. So who do you like more out of those two, Lively and Ware? I'd probably go lively because mm -hmm. I'm probably higher than most on like pedigree and, and where was a huge recruit in his own regard, but just having the the title of number one player in your high school class, even if he has a, a season like he's having now just continues and you start hearing things at the combine, like he looks really, really good in the individual workouts. He's dominating. Um, like I just see a path where if one of those two goes in the lottery, it's probably him. It's crazy how much him being a stretch big would help right now. Cause like, even uh -huh. if, even if he was playing just like how he is now, but he was shooting like 30% from three, like Filipowski is, I mean, he'd be yeah. a lotto pick easily. Mm -hmm. it, it would help so much. It's just the aggressiveness too. Like mm -hmm. some guys just do not put up good numbers. They're inefficient. Or you can tell that the, the learning curve or the pace of play or whatever it might be. Um, like they're getting to their spots and they're doing the things they're great at, but they're not converting. Like that's, that's still okay with him. It's, do you, do you want to be a, an alpha? Do you, do you want to be a guy that goes in there and has a chance to have a, and even, even a double, double like that, that would be a, a, an astonishing accomplishment at this point to see Derek Lively go in there and just have a impressive double, double It's kind of sad. So we've been talking some cam Whitmore tonight, breaking down him as a prospect. We know that he's a guy that you've been high on since preseason. Derek even tells me that you might have him as a top five guy yeah. in this draft. Yeah. Um, for someone, I, I don't have him top five. I think I'm like 10 on my board. I'd love to kind of hear 
that upside that you see out of him and, and what makes him a top five prospect? Cause it's loaded up there. It is. Um, I think the flashes with him are really, really impressive. Most notably the FIBA under 18s last summer with him. It's, it's always been the jump shot. Like you look at him from a physical standpoint and he is like, he's pretty yoked for an 18 year old mm-hmm. and he's going to be 18 on draft night. So it's not like he's an older prospect, even for a, a freshman, like he's going to be one of the younger guys that goes in this draft. Um, his ability to bully players in the paint and or be perimeter oriented makes him super hard to guard. Um, he's definitely not like a a guy that's just going to cross you over and, and create his own shot in that regard. But he does have a decent handle for a guy that I think will probably be like a combo forward, maybe like a three or a four at the next level. He's that weird height where he's six, seven. And traditionally, you know, five years ago, you immediately say forward. And now there's so <laughs> many six, seven guards. That you're like, you can't just look at a guy's height and, and determine what position he is. Um, I see him as like a wing combo forward and just his ability to do a little bit of everything. Mm. Um, a lot of times we like to talk about like, what do you see in this guy from an upside standpoint? But then at the, at the same time, like, what do you see from a, a downfall? Like there's not yeah. many things you can nitpick about him. The three point shooting people said, you know, that was great. He exploded it at FIBA. Um, before that, he wasn't a great shooter. He comes in uh, broken thumb struggles a bit early. But he's shooting like what 36, 37 percent from three mm-hmm. this year overall. Like that's if if that's the knock on him or the question on him coming into the season, he does that. I feel pretty good. And it, yeah, and his shot looks good. Like mm-hmm. mechanically, yeah. it's fine, it's smooth. And I think at the next level, if you know, if the shots he's taken are open threes from the corner, like he can make those. I have confidence in that. That's what I was telling Jake earlier. Is like if in the least, even if like the shot doesn't pan out. Maybe some of the high upside things that you you were going for don't pan out in the least. If you have a physical three who can play above the rim, has yep. like just innate athleticism in the least, that's a high draft pick. Yeah. And then you're also drafting for the upside. And if it does pan out, then you have a potential superstar. Like he's almost like a, it's it's almost just like high floor, high ceiling. Like how yeah. how wrong can you go with a pick like that? Both ends too. It, he doesn't have. Like he's not a guy that you look at as a liability on defense. Like some guys, it's very one-sided. He's a a really high defensive prospect, but you're like, will he ever be good if he doesn't figure out the offensive side or dude's a bucket, but will he ever guard anybody? Those Mm -hmm. guys are, are super risky in a lot of cases. And you're, and you're taking a bet with his frame and his strength and his athleticism and quickness. It's, it's actually a pretty rare combination. Like when you think of the guys that have all of the, the physical tools he has all in one, this is a freak athlete class. So even saying this is pretty crazy, but like he's an elite athlete straight up. Yeah, does my, my last thing on Whitmore. So when I watch, I see right now at least a lack of kind of like playmaking creation skill with him. And that's not his role, right? We've talked about all the great things that he does. I um, mean, that's enough, honestly, but like, do you think he has an upside there um, as far as playmaking goes? Cause he's okay off the dribble. He creates for himself mainly off of straight line drives using his athleticism. And he's not a great passer. Like, do you believe in that playmaking upside? Do you think it can get there? I don't see him today as a guy that's the number one scoring option on the championship team. No, no. Could he become that? Absolutely. We've seen plenty of guys become that, that we didn't think had that in him. Um, but I do think if he is your second, third 
best scorer on a championship team. Like he could be that guy with the defensive upside and mm-hmm. the versatility and the ability to play different positions. Um, I do see that. And then that, that gets into the question though. Like, would, do you draft a guy in the top five if he can't be the number one option? That's the question people are going to have. I think yeah. he's got enough that I would argue if I was a GM, I would probably, t- I, I definitely wouldn't take him one or two. I had him three on my board uh, for most of the season. I'm Derek and I are releasing new board later this week. I don't know if I'm going to have him three. He might be four or five, but I still definitely have him in the top five. You, you talked about just now how many guys in that top five like can be a number one option. How many do you think can be? I mean, if you take Wimby and Scoot, who else is there that you think can be like a legit number one option that's not like a far-fetched idea? I think Brandon Miller definitely could. Really? I mean, when I watch him play, it's just like Paul George. Mm. When you're as big as he is, and you have the handle that he does and the three-point shot that he does. And early on, the criticism was he doesn't take it to the rim. He's shown that he can. Um, he's got a mid-range game. Like when you think about a guy that can be the number one scorer, it's it's scoring from all three levels. And he's shown that this year. And I think the reason Alabama is so good is because of him. Obviously, Noah Clowney's playing well. They've got some other kind of key, quote-unquote, veterans at the college level. There's not a lot of veterans, but uh, upperclassmen. But he's the best player on one of the better teams in the country. That's pretty indicative at the next level. It wouldn't be early on, but in year five, year six, I think he could sure. be and maybe not on the championship team, but he's on the Charlotte Hornets next year. Yeah. Like, yeah. could he, could he average 22 a game? Maybe. Kind of piggybacking off this conversation. There's been a lot of softening on the Thompson twins in the last few weeks. Their half court numbers got posted on Twitter, pretty egregious stuff. Even the surface level numbers aren't great in a, in a league that we don't know much about, quite frankly. How are you feeling on them currently? Not great. And that's not an indictment of them. I just, the OTE situation in itself is just super risky to me. Um, you think about the three primary pathways to the league in the modern NBA is, is college, well, I guess four, college, international, G League Ignite, and now OTE. I would argue OTE is probably the lowest level of competition. Um, but on the flip side, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts. There, there might be some advantages to actually playing in that type of system from a, a GM or a scout standpoint, because let's take an example of like Jairus Walker in Houston. Very systematic. You know, Derek and I, you, we went and listened to um, Coach Sampson after a game, and he was talking about, you know, it's not all about scoring and, and you got to be in the system and make winning plays. OTEs like go out there and be you. Mm-hmm. You almost get a better glimpse of what a guy could be long term than you can in a college system. Like, do you, do you, do you feel like you have a better grasp on what Amin Thompson could be at his peak or Jairus Walker could be at his peak? Because I'd argue, it's really freaking hard to figure out what Jairus Walker is going to be one day. You probably think it's a good player, but what does it look like in five years? Yeah, you definitely see the vision a little more with the OT. Like you said, because I mean, this dude has the ball in his hands almost all the yep. time. And when yep. he doesn't, it's a czar. So yep. like, it's interesting. I just, I don't know how to quantify it. Like, how do we quantify this league that no one has ever come out of? Like, it'll be easier in the future to do because, oh, we have this like, this format of how Amanda Nazar did it. But right now it's like, it could be scary drafting either yeah. of these guys in the top five or even in like, dare I say the lottery, like if it goes so poorly and we look back on this and it's like the OTE project didn't pan out, like 
even if you're putting up crazy numbers in this, you're not going to be a lottery pick. Like you don't want to be the team that swung this year and missed. Right. It, it is risky. And last year we saw like Dominic Barlow signed a two way with the Spurs and he was fine in OTE. Um, but I don't think anyone was ever going to take a risk on him with that level of competition, but it is different with the Thompson twins because they were big recruits coming in and they have these like rare tools, especially the athleticism. They literally glide through the air. Um, Again, as, as it kind of as I started this segment, I would not want to be the GM that has to make the decision <laughs> at number three on Thompson. And that's where it comes back to the system and like what you've seen Brandon Miller do. Like he's putting up really good numbers on decent efficiency in a real system against really, really good players. And you look at some of the guys OTE's playing, there's some like 16 year old kids that are not even fully developed, but that are 115 pounds. Like it, it's whoa, what do you whoa, take whoa, from whoa. it? <laughs> you're 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 more than 115 Derek. come on hey whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> you can't win here do you have any thoughts jake on on the thompson on the whole ote situation i think you're much more exposed as a prospect there which is a double-edged sword i mean i think like you know it allows you to do what you're saying nick is kind of go out there and ball and show who you are like you know a gg jackson that he would thrive in that right oh my um, gosh yeah yeah exactly but but in the same breath, if you're not, you know, overly successful in that, like no role players from OT are getting drafted this year. You know no. what I mean? You got to be like the dude. And so if that's the track you want to take as a prospect by going to that, like you got to be confident that you're going to be good, man, because you're so exposed. Um, and I, I think that's just the like you got to be willing to take that risk to go do that um, due to the lack of system. Like even the G League, like that's that's even more systematic, maybe than college oh, sure. basketball. I mean, cause it's yeah. directly affiliated with the NBA. So no, I think, I think it's funky. It's risky. Um, I like the Thompson twins. I struggle evaluating them. Um, as everyone does just do the level of competition, but their high school stuff is pretty ridiculous. I mean, what it, what it reminds 40... me, huh? what it reminds me a lot of, um, remember when we were scouting LaMelo ball mm. overseas and you're like, mm. Do we really take anything of what he's doing over there? And even back to like high school, he was heaving half court shots. Do you take anything from that? And then he gets drafted top three and he's been solid in the league. Like he's as good as you could hope for. He's not Anthony Edwards by any stretch, but um, he's he's been a, a good pick for Charlotte. Like he's maybe their only player that I would like to see on the roster five years from now, to be honest. Do you... I like that actually. I want I want to stay with the Lamella Ball thing for a second. I find a little more comfort in taking like if let's say the leagues are similar, right? What what Lamella is doing versus what the Thompson Twins are doing league wise is similar. The kind of obvious feel for the game that Lamella has, right? The pace that he plays with, he doesn't rely on athleticism. It's much more skill oriented, right? I think I am more comfortable betting on that than I am someone who might be getting away with being a freak athlete against lesser competition. I, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's why I'm going to contradict myself here. <laughs> Go for it. I would, I would feel more comfortable taking a Sarah Thompson than I would. I'm in Thompson, although I would still take a men over. Assault. Totally agree. Totally but like agree. I would feel more comfortable with the guy that is more natural off ball, still has a freak athleticism, better jumper, although not a good jumper, um, does other things off the ball better and would play more of a natural off ball mm. guard or wing. Like 
it feels like he is a safer pick, although he doesn't have the upside. So it's all it's all about he does have upside, a lot of upside, not as much as his twin brother, though. If you went to Tankathon right now, simmed the lottery, 11 out of the 14 teams would be better on paper for a czar than a men. Yeah. And like if if you truly dive into the film, they're similar. Like, like what, who's to say that a czar couldn't be doing the exact same thing with kind of the primary playmaking role that a man has had. Now that might not be the case. More opportunity to do so. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's such a tough eval, like one of the toughest. It, well, I feel like we, we even knew more about Shane Sharp. I feel like, like, or, <laughs> or at least the same level of, of stuff. Like there was more Intel on yeah. Shane Sharp. Yeah, for sure. I, I was wondering this this week when I was kind of watching them on film, on the film that I could get of them. If we think there's high risk with both those guys um, and shooting is kind of the thing that jumps off the you know page as something that they're weak at, why are we, why is the consensus that Amon's better is if Asar is, you know, right now the better shooter? I don't know. I've, I've been struggling with that a little bit. Got, I mean, it's got to be the vision and the passing. But again, to yeah. Derek's point, that just could be because he's, He's the point guard of the two and, and has the ball in his hand more. Um, it's, it's tough. The, and it's, it's the same thing with Keegan and Chris Murray. Like, if, yeah, oh my gosh. If Chris had been a little better a little earlier, would he be in the league right now? And Keegan right. would be the one frying on Iowa? Right. Like, it just, it's, yeah, it's tough. The they're, twin brother conundrum. They're, they're the toughest eval in the last three years. If, here, here's a question I asked somebody the other day. Um, if Keegan Murray was not in the league right now, playing as well as he is, do we talk about Chris as much? He's, he's been really good, but there's a lot of guys at the college level that are, you know, that forward size that have the, the NBA upside and good three point shooter, all that kind of stuff. But like Keegan is probably inflating him a little bit. Whereas the comp I used the other day was if Harrison Ingram, who's a very similar player had a twin brother that went fourth overall. Are we talking about Harrison Ingram right now? Not Chris Murray. Hmm. I would say absolutely. Yes. Just from person, like, my evaluation on Chris Murray has blossomed because of what Keegan Murray has done. I will admit that like full you can outright full stop. Yeah. We have an exact template for <laughs> right. what it could be. Right. And, so. and if, if Chris can be another advantage for him, if he can be 75, 80% of what we think Keegan can be, he's not worth the number four pick, but he's probably worth the number 20 pick. hundred percent. So it, it's, it's super interesting back to just one more comment on, the Thompson twins. I want to dig deeper into this, but I was doing some initial just kind of screening the last couple of days on the last two, three, four drafts. Since the league continues to become more um, perimeter oriented and you have to shoot to be good. There's not a lot of draft picks that were guys that are bad shooters coming in that ended up being really, 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 really good players. Like you'd almost prefer to bet on a guy that, has proven he can shoot, but has less upside than the guy that's raw, has the freak athleticism, the high IQ, the high whatever it might be that can't shoot because it, it rarely turns into a situation where they become a good shooter. And it's hard to be really good in this league without being a shooter. I'm betting that's especially the case in the upper ranks of the of the draft too. Like yeah. you look at the guys that have succeeded at the top of the draft recently, like first name that comes to mind is Luca, not overly athletic. Other names around there like, Darren Fox. I, I don't know. There's just so many cerebral style guys in the league right now that betting on them <laughs> to shoot is just, it's just so it's, tough. it's a bad, it's a bad bet. It really is. It a is. Bad bet. I'm, I'm lose. I'm to the point where I'm pretty anti. Um, this guy is a 
a world-class defender. If he can just figure out the offense, he can be mm-hmm. a star. U- Usman Garuba, perfect example. Yeah. Like he came in as a, a late bloomer, first round type guy, great defense, playing overseas against pros, but offensive game didn't have much. And it's like, okay. And, and that's what he's been in the NBA too. When it's not trending in a direction that makes me feel like he's going to blossom into a, a first round caliber guy. So I don't know. I, I, I in a, Scoring league defense is super important, but I'd prefer a guy that has offensive upside and can shoot over a defensive freak. And in this draft specifically, I think that puts several guys above kind of those defensive archetypes and the Thompson twins due to not being able to shoot, but totally anything else. Yeah. I, I want to touch on kind of the 10 to 16, 18 range real quick. If you could, I'm kind of putting on the spot here, Nick. There's a lot of guys in that range, right? There's a lot of dudes that go back half the lottery all the way up to 20. If you had to pick a couple that you believe in to kind of make that jump into the lottery, I would like for you to do so. And if you have a couple that you don't believe in that you think might fall to the back half of the second round, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so that that's a it's an interesting range. And this was an exercise Derek and I went through last year with the Thunder, um, looking at some of the history of the guys that get drafted seven through 10 and then the guys that get drafted 11 through the end of the lottery, the last four years, the guys in the latter part of the lottery have actually panned out a heck of a lot better than the guys in that kind of middle range for whatever reason, whether maybe that's they, the guys in the latter half of the lottery end up being on teams that were better the season before and it's easier to fit in, whatever it might be. Um, and this is going to be a class where the same could happen because there's so many guys that are in. Once you get past that tier one and two, there's so many guys in that tier three. I believe in Jet Howard big time. The size, again, the shooting, like you can bank on that. At minimum, he's going to be a, a solid rotational player in the NBA, I think. Um, Grady Dick, same way. I was not super high on him coming in. I I mean, at the high school level, he showed that he was probably the best shooter in this freshman class coming in, but he's done a lot more than shoot. Like he's shown a lot of things. I think he surprised a lot of people um, with what he's done. Gigi Jackson could be in that range. He's a guy that maybe he goes higher than 10. Maybe he falls all the way to 16, 17. He's just so young. I think somebody's going to take the risk on him every year. There's the Josh Primo. There's the you know, the guys that are crazy. Uh, uh, sorry. Sorry for bringing up Josh Primo on this podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> uh, someone's going to take him at some point in the lottery. I would imagine um, he's a hard one to gauge because he's like the guy on a weirdly non-systematic team at the college level. We just go out there and chuck some shots. Um, terrible. He's I'm also complaining to of, on Instagram afterwards as he should be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, I think I'm trending towards Derek. Might hate me for this one. Let me preface this. There's a guard in every draft in the lottery that ends up not being near as good as they were supposed to be. You've got the, uh, James book Knights. You've got the Johnny Davis's, although those guys could turn their career around. One of the guards in this class of the Keontae Georges, the uh, Nick Smiths, et cetera, one of those explosive scores is probably not going to be good based on what history tells us. I'm kind of leaning it might be Nick Smith. And I, mm-hmm. you, you could probably rip this audio and I look like a fool a year from now. Um, but with the injuries, <laughs> the injuries and the, and the, the lack of, of strength that he could fill out, I just like, I don't know if I love him in that early you know eight to ten range and i i kind of think he should be more of a 12 to 16 
I no, agree. I, yeah, I don't, I don't rip you for that at all. Nick Smith feels like the in-between version of everything we've talked tonight. Like yeah. he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be this all around player where he's got some of the athleticism and some of the playmaking and some of the shooting, but it's just never come together in any like real way for me to me. Like he just never popped out of high school. I'm bad at evaluating high school film. I can't take it out of the overtime, like YouTube highlights. <laughs> I can't do it. But even in college, like nothing stood out to me. He's not dunking on people above the rim. He's not shooting 40% from three. So no, I, I could totally see it on well, the other guards that you were mentioning, you know, Keontae, Anthony black's big, but I mean, he's a true point guard. Yeah. What do you have guard wise up there? Um, I mean, Scoot's way up there, but he's Scoot, another right. guard. Like, there's a lot right. of guards. I mean, Jalen Hutchifino, like, he's a really good guard. Yeah. All of and those he, guys. He's got their real size, too. He's got NBA six, guard six. size. Yeah. He's big. man, And all those guys, probably because, you know, due to their physicality, their defensive upside is much higher than Nick Smith. Like, Nick Smith gets bullied sometimes, man. And I just don't see that. Like, even Keontae George, like, He's a score first guard, but he can really defend at times. And he can do so because he's long and athletic and strong. I just got Casey like, Wallace up there too. That's yep. a good one. Right. And so, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you on Nick Smith. I'd like to see him play a little more. Um, Same. I heard he's healthy now or Saturday, Saturday. He may be back. Maybe. Yeah. So who knows? It'll be good to see. Maybe Arkansas can make a little run. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know he was it, coming back. That's exciting. Practice today. Yeah. The, uh, I didn't think we'd see him again, to be honest. I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say if it goes south, it's not. Yeah, I mean, like that. I don't, I don't think there's anything he could gain at this point. Like unless he just balls out and like takes Arkansas deep in the tournament. But if his he's betting on himself, baby, it's well, it's it's not even the stats for me. It's mm-hmm. he's risking. I'm gonna come out here and show you what you guys think I should be, or I'm gonna go out there and hurt my knee again. I'd probably take the risk on just like getting my knee healthy and proving to teams and pre-draft that I'm, I'm good to go. Cause if he goes down again, mm. I think teams are going to be like, what's going on with that knee? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause at worst, if he doesn't play now, how late is he going to fall? 18, maybe. I don't like, even think that far. Like him. Yeah. I don't even think that yeah, far. Exactly. Someone would take so, the I mean, risk. It, if you're him and you're going 14, the last pick in the lottery to a decent team at that point, you know, that's, that's a spot the thunder could be in. Like if you go to, go to a team like that, I would much rather have that if I was Nick Smith than try to prove I'm a top 10 guy. And for that to flop. Yeah. I mean, he, he could, Jake. he could not, he could not play again and go above to Quavon Smith. Like that's, that's like his, his floor. Totally. Yeah, totally. 100%. I texted Jake today. I was like, at some point, I'm going to have to add Nick Smith and Dariq Whitehead to my board. And I just like haven't done it yet because so I haven't seen them. But at some point, like you're going to have to do it. Like even Dariq is someone like and Nick Smith, for that matter, you could be getting a top five talent at number 14. You'd have yeah. you'd have no idea, but you could like. And some will think that and they'll take me. him. Yeah, someone 100%. will absolutely take them uh, at some point, regardless of the injuries, the rest of the way, like those are guys that can only fall so far. 100%. Nick, do you have anything else for us or got any other takes to, to throw out there? Um, I'm trying to give you something spicy. Ooh. Let's say give me, give me a sneak peek of your board. What's the, what's like the hottest, hottest take you've got right now. Who you were telling me the other on? day you thought about putting Gigi over Victor Wemanyama, right? Oh yeah. That, that must've been the other Nick. Um, <laughs> I'm still putting together the board. Um, I'll give you a hot one. And maybe this isn't hot for you guys. 
I think Taylor Hendricks goes above the Jet Howards and the the Grady Dicks and the Bryce Sabahs of the world. I think he's lottery, legit lottery. That wouldn't be the hottest take among among this podcast for sure. I think we're Taylor Hendricks fans. I have 15. 15? I mean, 6'9", really? 6'10", two-way talent, can shoot it, can block shots. I mean, what more do you want? He's a plug-and-play guy, if, too. Yeah, if he didn't have UCF attached to his name and he had Houston or Baylor or Duke or Arkansas, he'd be talking top 10 easy. Yeah, yeah true. Nick, we're running out of time here. We're going to get you out of here. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. Feel free to do so anytime. We love your brain, your draft brain. Nick, you can hoop, by the way. You got a little swag when you play out there. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I played the other night again for the first time since we last hooped. And man, is that why you're recording in a gym right now? You haven't been able to walk out of it? <laughs> getting shots up. <laughs> no, legit. My body hurts so bad. We're getting too old for this, man. Way too old. You got some swag when you play, man. Well, if only I, uh, the shots went in. I played a month ago and my foot still is not fully healed. <laughs> I got new basketball shoes. I've been limping for a month. Dude, it's... I need to get new basketball shoes. I think is what it is. I have an old pair of PGs and an old pair of, I don't even know what they are. They're like zip up shoes, like Jordans or something. And they both hurt my feet. I just need to invest in a new pair. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, Nick. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Let's jump into our last segment, NBA happenings. We are a draft podcast, but we're going to take a look at the NBA, which is what at the end of the day, it's all about. First up, the biggest news, the the, Wizards are up 12 on the Hornets with 44 (laughs) seconds left to play. That is the biggest news. Um, First up, LeBron breaks the scoring record against uh, our hometown Oklahoma City Thunder in L.A. I watched the full game. It was real exciting. I can't believe he did it in three quarters, no less. I mean, not a lot to say. He's the greatest player of all time. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous, man. Anything else from you, James? Very cool moment. Um... I don't think so. I It's got to be a neat feeling to sit in the locker room after you just broke the all-time scoring record with your two sons. That was the coolest part to me is like it's in front of his family. Because the, the the accomplishment going into the season was going to happen. Like like that, him being one on, you know, it, it was going to take place. But the way it happened, like with his family there, well, I guess his family is obviously going to be there. But like those moments that he has with his sons, his sons videoing it happening, like what a unique um, and special moment for them. I just want to bring up um, one thing. They stopped the whole game. Like they couldn't have let 10 more seconds run off the clock. Yeah. 10.7 seconds left in the third quarter. And they had a shindig. Like It's all about LeBron, man. He makes that's for sure. And then Oklahoma City wins by like 20 and LeBron mm-hmm. gets the post-game interview. I mean, I am the biggest LeBron fan. Like I grew up watching that dude. <laughs> I changed my favorite team based on wherever he is. That's crazy. Like, S-tier that's, propaganda, man. <laughs> that's crazy. They they like that guy. Let's stick with the Lakers. Uh officially Nick just mm. told us Russell Westbrook's out of there. Gone. D'Lo is out of mini. He's going to the Lakers. They got Jaden uh, McDaniels too. I don't think so. Did oh, they? keep going, keep going. I'll look here. It up. I'll just read straight from Woj himself. The Lakers are finalizing finalizing deal. Good grammar, Woj. <laughs> Idiot. Finalizing deal to land Minnesota's D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Golly. In trade, including Mike Conley and picks to Timberwolves and Russell Westbrook and a lightly protected 2027 LA first to the Jazz. Beasley I'm, and Vanderbilt. Wow, that's nice. 
to the that is wild for Russ and one lightly protected pick. That's huh. crazy. If it was just D'Lo, it would have been nah, okay. I wouldn't whatever. have done it if it was just D'Lo. Really? Stupid. No. I think it's a slight upgrade. He's having a career year. Mm. Um, I mean, getting Malik Those and Jared Vando. Nice. Those two's really nice. As throw-ins, essentially? Uh-huh. That's a little crazy. Uh, how do you like it for L.A.? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just reading now. Like, you are... Uh, I like it. As I just mentioned, if it was just D'Angelo Russell, which was the rumors earlier, I... I I think that's so. To, I, I to be it, honest, try, not trying to be a hater, I think getting off the rest contract in general is probably a good idea. Yeah, contractually, sure, but like for this season, I think Russ gives you as good of a shot at winning games as D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I yeah, that's fine. Like, would you? I mean, he he's one of the best six men in the NBA right now, Westbrook and D'Angelo Russell's good, but like, I, I think it had to. It had to be more of a fit thing. Like Russ That's obviously fun. didn't seem happy. Like yeah. because because like to your point, he had been giving them good production for the last yeah. for like, all year. I, I don't mind it for the Lakers. They're still not going to do anything. Um, but I don't mind it for the Lakers. They they went from having LeBron, AD, and a couple pieces to I think having like an actual NBA team now. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do anything. I mean, they got three good rotational players for sure. Get rid of the freaking dude at the unibrow man. That dude doesn't care at all. He has zero care. Doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to be there. I'm not sure he wants to be anywhere. Lakers won that, right? I mean, I don't know if Minnesota. Honestly, I like it for Minnesota too. I like. I like Mike Conley. I know he's a a little old, but I like what he brings, especially in a system that desperately, desperately needs that. Yeah, if you're gonna have Ant be your dude, Mike Conley is your one. Doesn't bother me at all. Right, and then I mean Utah. Whatever, I guess. I don't know. It's not a competitive trade necessarily. Like it's kind of centered around the Lakers, and so therefore, they seem like the winner of it. But it's, I mean, we could look back in two it's years, fine. and I, I mean, in it's twenty twenty seven. We could be like, that was the dumbest thing. It's not going to move done. the needle tremendously for any of those teams. I don't know. What's that LA twenty twenty seven pick going to be? That could be number one. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then another huge trade. Kyrie, we haven't got to speak on this yet. Dealt to the Mavericks for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and and picks. Jake, you're a guy who was a proprietor of the Mavericks getting Luka Doncic some help. You're a big Luka fan. You follow the Mavericks closer than, than I have, especially this season. What do you think of this one? I really like it mm. for Dallas. Um, what, you don't like it? No, I don't like it. Why? It's Kyrie Irving. Why would I like it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, He's going to leave in the offseason. That's fine. That's fine. But but getting him makes it less likely that Luka's going to leave. Ugh. That Luka's going to want out. I, if, it, if it goes well, I think that they have it again for the future. Um, have what? It, I think Kyrie would re-sign with them. Mm. If, it, if it goes well. And I think that's what they got to do. They're in a position where they want to keep the best young player in the NBA, which they have in Luka. Um, they, he wants to win now. There's a guy that's obviously available in Kyrie that's been available for the last few years and you know, trade rumors. I think you make that move, get him a guy that, by the way, people act like he's some type of non-passing ball hog that can't play off ball. He's a shooting guard. Kyrie's a I say it all the time. He's a shooting guard. You're wrong because that's not the position he plays. But he's a great off-ball guard. Great off-ball guard. I think it's going to work with them too. I'm not worried about it. 
Um, Jason Kidd and Kyrie Irving have a really tight relationship. Um, I like it for what they're trying to do. I I just I'm done defending Kyrie Irving. They couldn't get anyone better. They couldn't get a better basketball player. That's the thing is like if you were gonna and I get Kyrie was discounted because he's a huge idiot. Um why was this the guy to sell out for? Like Aiton's been on the table. I like that fit much more with Luca as like a screener, a like a good big man. Like Mikhail package could have been there. Like I don't know why Kyrie was the guy to sell out for. I just don't get it. But he's gonna love the political political climate of Texas, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, when you think of like Texas and everything that Texas embodies, like I personally think Kyrie Irving. Did you see that tweet that was like, "Get ready till he finds out Mark Cuban's not Cuban." In fact, he's Jewish. (laughs) God. Uh, I hate that guy. Speaking of, directly related to this, your boy, Cameron Ezekiel, uh, that's not his middle name, Thomas, (laughs) is averaging 45 points per game. Ain't shit funny, Derek. In his last three games since Kyrie asked for the trade. I'm just going to let you have the floor for a few minutes. You go crazy. It's glorious. He's very, very good. Um, 2021 draftee Cam Thomas. I think he went 17th overall. He no, no, no. A little later than that, actually. He averaged 30 points a game as a freshman at one of the top public high schools in the country. He is one of the all-time, I think, single-season leading scorers at Oak Hill Academy, which has had a couple of decent just NBA few, players. Just a few buds. He got to the line eight and a half times a game as a freshman at LSU. Was a top 10 leading scorer in Division One basketball as a freshman at LSU. Um, and man, that like those stats don't lie. Like he is a bucket getter and this is coming from an unbiased place. He is one of the best pure scores, like talented scores in that draft class. Um, there are question marks around the other parts of his games. I game, I think passing and defense mainly, All um, every right. other part, of but, game. but he's such a highly skilled scorer. that man, I, I think it's going to stick. I hope it sticks. Um, I think Jacques Vaughn's doing a good job with him, giving him kind of the reins in this time where they don't have a lot of other help. Um, I'm really happy to see it as a fan. Um, and then just as a basketball, you know, guy watches the game, like, he can really play, dude. He can play. He can hoop. He's really fun. Three straight 40 games? I don't know that I I foresaw, like, this, but I totally could have told you, even when he was getting DNPs for the Nets, that he could be... 15 a game this year. Three like straight easily. 40 balls, all above 50% from the field, all above 40. I think I'm pretty sure all above 40% from three. Probably. Dude. Dude. He's good. I think the notion that he's like some replacement for Kyrie Irving or that he'll ever get to that I, point is absolutely crazy. And I, I don't think it was intended. I mean, no, maybe I mean, by the end like of this. Prisoner of the moment. Yeah. Thing. Maybe by the end of it, they're like, okay, maybe we do have something here. I still don't see him as anything more than a six man. Which but, is fine. Yeah, but I, I think he's great in that. So he he's could, a really fun player. He, could, I average, hope he, he could average 18 points a game off the bench in the NBA. We said that preseason. We said, I texted you that preseason. I could dig up the message. He could average 17 points per game this yeah, year. Totally. I mean, if Jordan Poole can do it, he can do it. Easily. Easily. Okay. He's really fun. I hope he keeps it up. I hope he exceeds all my expectations. <sighs> I hope he just um, meets mine. <laughs> yeah, your your expectations of 35 and 5 for the next 14 years. Maybe I lowballed him, man. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you actually have him? Do you remember? I want to say you had him like ninth. <laughs> I'll look it up. I think it was. I think it was ten. You had this man above Josh Giddy. <laughs> I still do. Um, I think that's all we got for this app, Jake. 
Fantastic. We're rocking and rolling. We talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff has happened in the basketball world. Yeah. Um, and we'll be here each and every week to just break it down in probably the worst way possible for you listeners. You discredit yourself a lot, Derek. You do a great job. Thank you. You do too. Even though you just butchered that intro. Good God. Hit us with an outro, Jake. What you got? Uh, good Redeem morning. Redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs>